afternoon. Good afternoon. I know you've not eaten lunch. <laughs> How are you all doing? We are good. We are blessed. Pastor Florence said, if you are blessed, the enemy cannot touch you. Amen. Are you blessed? Uh, are you blessed? Yes. I confirm it to your name if you are blessed. Hallelujah. I don't have my phone. It's been used somewhere. But I'm sure there's a message from Apostle Jacob and he's saying hi. Amen. Second Kings. created us, and then I would like this to stay there, uh, verse 28. No, 29. 29. Every nation continued to make gods of its own and put them in the shrines of the high places which the Samaritans had made, every nation in the cities where they dwelt. And I would like to have that verse just to remain there. Main emphasis on the words, every nation continued to make gods of its own. Amen. We are created in the image of God. Turn to your neighbor to the left or to the right and tell them, I am created in the image and in the likeness of God. 
I am created in the image and in the likeness of God. The question is, do we hold that to be true? And just on top of your head, I know your answer is yes. But if I may ask again, do we truly hold that to be true? Because we see the nations that we place to the children of Israel. For here they were conquered. And the king of Syria took the children of Israel out of this city of Samaria. And they brought other people into the city to take their place. And so these nations came, took the city, and this is what they did. They made gods in their own image. Before this, when they occupied the land of Israel, God sent lions to go and attack them. And the lions went, and they cried out to the king of Syria, telling the king, send a priest, the priest from the people you captured and you took away, send him back so that he can teach us the religion of the land, or to teach us the ways of the God of the land, so that these lions will stop devouring us. And so the king honored that, sent a priest back, taught them the ways of God, the religion of God, how to worship God. And so these people, yes, they worship God, but on the side, they made gods of their own and put them on high places. Now, in this modern day church, it is easy to dismiss that and say that those people of the old, or not Christians, they create their own gods and they put them in high places. It's easy to dismiss that. After all, the Bible says, or rather one of the commandments God has given us is do not create images, do not worship idols. And so that has nothing to do with us. But I will tell you, because I'm not here speaking of my own, that we have so much created gods in our own image and we are worshiping them as a church. This might not be an easy message to preach. Uh, but God give me grace. It is easy to dismiss that because they create and they make gods in their image, in their kind. A god that has a head, has a couple of hands, a couple of legs, a tail, sitting or something. So this image is in the kind of man, not so different but not the same power. So they ascribe to these gods powers according to their likings. Again, that's for them, that's not for us. But the Spirit of God is revealing to me that in today's Christianity, we have made gods in our image. I don't know how many of you watch news, but whenever we are in a season of elections, 
they always project the winner of the election based on the polls and the data that has been collected throughout the days before the election. So right now they are saying one candidate is leading among the Latinos, among the African Americans, among the learned or the educated white, among the rurals, this candidate is leading and they are projecting the win of the election based on experience number one, based on the data they have collected and so they are able to tell you this candidate is winning. Now my friends, in though in as much as we are created in the image of God, yes, we do not have those sculptures and those crafty handiwork of men that we are hanging on our doors or in our houses or in our bedrooms and we bow down to them. No, we are not doing that. But we have now reduced the maker into a projection. that sinking. We have taken the almighty God and we have reduced him to our understanding. Amen. It is so quiet in here. There are three questions that I want to ask you, rhetorical questions that I want to ask you to ask yourself. Who is created in whose image? Who is created in whose image? If we are created in the image of God, are we going to live at those who are created in his image? Or are we going to take God and reduce him into a projection, into our image, into our understanding, and ascribe him powers that are relevant to our lives? Whose image? Who is created in whose image? And the third question is, if you're truly created in the image of God, do you regard him as your maker and submit yourself to him? Do you regard him as your redeemer and submit yourself to him? Or will you continue to make projections and fit God to your understanding? There are five ways in which we have made projections of God. Five ways in which we now make God in our image. There are five ways. Some of them, as we go along, you may identify with them. Privately, in the privacy of your inner man, you will know, ah, that's what I've been doing. I better change. If that is you, let the word transform your thinking. Others, not so much. You've heard people mention it or act like it, but either way, let the world change you. 
The first way we have made a projection of God or reduced God into our own image is by referring to him as the man upstairs. How many have heard of that statement? No one? Am I living in a world of my own? <laughs> How many of you have heard people say, oh, the man upstairs, he does what he wants? Yet the word of God says God is not a man. But we call him the man upstairs. Number two, upstairs, reflecting a disconnect between us and him. He is up there, we cannot reach him. And so you regard God as a superman or a Batman. You're not a fan of Superman. You have put him in a box where he stays by himself. You have referred to him as a man who likes you when you do things that are pleasant to you. Or he doesn't like you as much when you are not pleasing him. And you end up making comments like, oh, things are not working for me today because I did not wake up and pray. Or because I did not read my Bible today. That's an indication that you have released God into your image. Amen. How many have ever been there? Just be honest. <laughs> I know. Don't put God in a box. But often our lifestyle indicates that. The second way we have put God in a box is when we talk about relevance. Relevance. In other words, we are saying that God is subject to change and time. Nowadays, the church does not want to preach the message that is true, that stands and withstands the, 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 the change of culture and time. We want the messages that are relevant. Messages that attract people and fill the church. Messages that are going to move you to increase your giving. When we say we want the church to be relevant, the other day, I think it was last month or two months ago, they were talking about doing away with the Bible and writing a Bible that is relevant. A Bible that is in tune with the times. A Bible that young people can understand because we argue and we rationalize that young people nowadays, they cannot read the Bible. Not just the young people, even ourselves. I was telling the earlier service, that if you sit down, if you are a reader, for those who read for hours and hours and, and read a novel from page one to the 500 page in a day and finish, you will easily read it through in a day and finish. But the word of God, just a chapter, just two verses, takes a lot of effort from you because it's not relevant. We cannot understand the Bible. We cannot understand the stories in the Bible. When we try to read, we are seeing a God who is mad. And many in the church today begin to argue that we are in the age of grace. So they want nothing to do with the discipline of God. 
This God needs to change with time. We are now the modern church. Whose image are you living by? Who is created in whose image? Are you trying to make God in your image? By arguing for relevance? A couple of years ago, there was an argument that we need to be singing more Swahili songs. In the church, we do not want these songs of today because we want the God that we understand. We don't want the God that we don't understand. Are we the ones who want to read scriptures and quote promises that sound appealing to us and reject the instructions? Are we the ones who want to quote Mark 11, 24, or is it 28? Ask whatever you want and I shall give it to you, but the instruction that follows it, you don't want anything to do with it. Whose image? Who is created in whose image? Revelations, I forget the chapter. The word of God says, and they overcame by the power of the testimony, the blood of the Lamb and the power of the testimony. We like quoting that, and then there's, there are words that follow that that we don't like. I know I told them to keep that there. <laughs> Would you find that Proverbs, Proverbs 11? Not Proverbs, uh, Revelation. It's Revelation 11 or 11, Revelation 12, I don't know. 12, 11? No, the other way around. Would you put that up for me? And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. That's all we want. This other part, What? They did not love their lives to death? No, that's not the power we want. We want testimonies that show our power of overcoming. If you listen to a lot of our testimonies, it's about what God has done for us. And that's good. We ought to share them. But if a testimony does not reveal the power of God and does not convict you or encourage you to want to know who this God is, then that is probably a wasted testimony. Yes, the Bible says that whatever you need, pray for it and the Father will provide it for you. But Matthew 6, the Word of God says the Father knows you already need these things. Therefore, your priority changes. You begin seeking the eternal. Yes, you're praying for the things you need. But the things you need ought to reflect eternity. Glory be to God. Today we will not say a lot of amens. 
and that's okay. Your lifestyle, does it reflect a God who evolves with time? Who will understand that you are angry and you acted in a manner that is not pleasing, but he'll understand. And we argue even God in heaven understands. Who is created in whose image? It is easy to dismiss these people. After all, they are pagans. But how often have we created God in our image? I shared two ways, right? We refer to God as a superman, man upstairs. We relate to God as one who evolves with time. The third way, we live as though God is dead or is subject to die. And I know just over there, over the top of your head, you are dismissing it. But when you are consumed with evil around the world, when you are easily attracted with darkness and you are not attracted by what God is doing, then that is exactly what you are reflecting. Amen. When you make the dark world bigger than the light, then you're acting as though God is dead. How many of you know that it is easy to be attracted to bad news? You turn on your news and you just hear there was a killing in Birmingham, there was a shooting in Hoover, there was this in such a place, and all these politics and in this age of elections, you are easily attracted to bad news more than what God is saying. And your mind is continually being filled and influenced by evil. And even in your prayer, you begin begging and asking God, are you there? God, do you see this or you're there? We are more conscious about our children's behavior, especially when it goes in the direction we don't want it, than we are about what God is doing in their lives. When we get married, we tell our spouses, if you cheat on me, that's it. What about what God is doing in their lives. What attracts you easily? The evil that is in the world that tries to tell you God is there, God is not there, or what God is doing in their lives? In whose image are you living by? Amen. There are moments, you know, when I say, when we started, we said we ascribe power to the gods. 
And this God that we have taken and we have reduced, we have now projected him into our image. We ascribe power to him. This is where now you find people quoting promises. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. There is an instruction, there is a condition attached to that. This is a case where we ascribe power to God. And we have this, what I would call, a positive thinking cult. Where we give God powers that are relevant to our needs. We ascribe powers to God, vast powers to God that are accessible to us at our own liking, at our own convenience. And that is why many other times we are so quick to pray when we enter into trouble. Oh, brothers, brothers, sisters, come on, come on, help us pray. Let, help me pray because my, my mom is sick, my dad is sick. You were not praying before that. When she was healthy, when he was healthy, you were not even thinking about that. And so God to you has become this vast reservoir of power accessible to you at your liking, at your convenience for you to draw from any time you need it. And when things don't go your way, you begin doubting this God. Who is created in whose image? Those are four. The fifth way that we have made projections of God. God help me. fifth way we have made projections of God is when we dismiss him because it doesn't make sense. When we make religion a routine of life, go to church every Sunday, the word is preached. The service two minutes later, you don't even remember what the message was. It becomes a routine of life. No one dares to follow and to know what the servant of God taught about. We take the word of God. Bible in this case. We carry it to church. We open it. We read what this, the, the preacher is preaching about. At the end of the service, we close the Bible. We go back home. We put the Bible back not to open it for the rest of the week. 
not even to bother to pray, not even to bother to think about God, because there are other things that have occupied our minds. It has become a routine in this modern church, where we say, God is this person who just wants me to live right. But not right in his own eyes, but right in my own eyes. And so you say I don't ask anybody. You argue that I don't think evil of anybody. You argue that you try to live your life right. You have no relation, not let alone the spoken word, you have no relation with the written word itself. And truly enough, ask yourself this question in your heart. When was the last time you heard it and opened the Bible? We want God to have this power where He blesses our businesses, He blesses the work of our hands, He makes our hearts straight so that we can walk on them. But we do not want the fellowship that comes with that. We do not want the discipline that comes with that. In the previous service, we looked at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And I told them that this verse, Romans 12, 1, is pivotal in your walk of life all the way from chapter 1 to chapter 11, the last verse is theory. Paul is teaching you what Christ has done for you and has called you to be dead to sin and alive to God. Now you're headed to the fields from verse 12 of chapter 12 to chapter 16 is about field work, practice or practical or clinical because we have some nurses amongst us. It is where now the rubber meets the road. It is where now you will learn to apply what you have been taught in the field. But before you go to the field, there is an altar for you. There is an altar for you. And on this altar, we are not placing on carcasses of dead animals. The Bible says you present yourselves as a living sacrifice. Living in the sense that God has blessed you with a will and you have a choice to take off whenever the hate is cranked up. And the church of today, sorry to say, we are running into ministry before we spend time at the altar. Consequently, when you bypass the altar and you run out of ministry because you want to serve a projected God and not God himself, then this body that you're supposed to present as a living sacrifice is not trained because the altar is a place of training. You stay there until your appetites and your desires are put on check. Because when you go out there, you're going to meet naked women. 
You go out there, you're going to beat people who are going to curse you. People who will reject you. If you are not baked enough by the fire in the furnace, you will not stand. You will not. Because we want to serve a projected God and not the true God. That's why the church is suffering. That's why the church is fighting with one another. We want laborers to be better than legacy. Or Brian. Or some of us argue, and this is for you because I believe you're all Kenyans, argue that no, I don't deal with Kenyans anymore. I don't go to the Kenyan church. You want to go to the church of the highlands because you have a projection of the God you want to serve. And the question, question that I will keep on asking is, who is created in whose image this evening? Or is it afternoon? Amen. Sure enough, we want God to bless us. But there's a condition to that blessing. Psalms 1, all the way to 5. Blessed is the man who does not do what? Do we know that? Would you put it up for me? Psalms 1 all the way to 5. We want to be like that man. Amen. We want to be like that man. But that man is a man who is planted on riverbanks. That man is a man who delights in the law of God, the word of God, not the projection. Because the word of God becomes supreme in your life. You do not take the word and you conform the word to fit you. Jesus says that it is better for a man who the rock falls on him and crashes him to dust. It is better for such a man than it is for a man who falls on the rock because all he gets is just bruises. Many of us want to be the man that falls on the word or on the rock, 
We can endure the bruise, but we are not willing to be crushed into powder. Because man is inherently proudful. We all do things the way we want to do them. I was telling the morning service that when we came to this country, we had a plan. <laughs> Amen. We had a plan. We make our own plans. And then we take the God we have projected to bless those plans. We are not asking God, what do you want me to do? Why? Because many of us would rather skip the altar and run into ministry. And the minute we do that, the church makes a big mess. No wonder the church is not respected. The church is bowing down to the government. Ministers run around to White House. Why not the president come to the church? Why not he come and look for you in the church? We want to preach messages that are appealing. It is said that in these big churches, and I have nothing against them, except this one thing, that their biggest budget expense is marketing. Marketing. What is the purpose of marketing? Marketing does what? Advertises yourself or your product. And so you present this product in such a way that it will attract people. It is sad that we have to do a research before we speak, so that we tell, we present people facts. We present people what? Facts. We present God as science. That has been the argument lately. Believe science with this pandemic. Believe what? Not God. Science. Do your research. Present your facts. <laughs> Say with me, God help us. If I preach this message in a church that where the biggest budget is marketing, I will never be invited back. And I'll be told, ah, you, you're a liability. <laughs> If I visit you in your business and I tell you this, you'll be like, ah, show me the facts. Know what God is saying? Show me the facts. I believe science. That has become a popular phrase. I believe what? Science. Those five ways will easily tell you that you have made God in your image. Amen? That is to let you know, to bring it into your awareness so that if you've been living in ignorance, you now stop. Paul says we are, we are aware of the devices of the enemy. 
we are aware of the devices of the enemy. 1 John 5, 19. We know we are children of God. And this world is under the sway of the evil one. This world in which we want to live our lives in and in accordance to the way we live our lives, in accordance to the way the world presents to us a blueprint of life, which we call worldview. We want to live by that. Rather than seeking God, what he wants from us. <coughs> Amen. So how do we make a change? Because my desire is that you live as one who has been created in the image of God. How do we make a change? How do we make a change? God has created you. Spirit man, Genesis 1. God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. We know and we understand that God is spirit. The man created in Genesis 1 is a spiritual man. A man who lived in the presence of God. A man who lived in the presence of God. Not outside of the presence of God. In the presence of God. In Genesis 2, verse, now that you're following me. Genesis 2, verse 5, 6, 7, around there. Go to Genesis 2, verse 5. The word of God says, Before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any part of the field was God was grown, for God, for Lord God had not caused it to rain on earth, and there was no man to till the ground. And so God took the man that he had created in Genesis 1, formed a body for the man, because this body gives you legal access to function on earth. And then in verse 7, I believe, God breathed his breath into the nostrils of man, and man became a living being. Now, this newly found body that gives you legal access to function on earth was the body that was to be used by God through the man he created in Genesis 1 to express the will of God here on earth. God gave you power. When he created you, Genesis 1.28, he said, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, and subdue. Take charge. I give you power to rule on earth. And therefore, a man who's created in the image of God is a man who habitually, not just once, habitually conforms all these powers that have been given to him to the will of God. That is a man who is created in the image of God. And so it is the acknowledgement that you have power and authority. You take that and you submit it habitually to the will of God. 
That is a man created in the image of God. A man created in the image of God is a man who understands that God requires of him to live justly, to walk humbly, and to love mercy. Or the other way around, to live justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. And so all your judgments then must be entirely approving, not partially, entirely approving. Otherwise, you judge outside the will of God, then you are aware, you're very well on the journey of projecting God into your image. When you favor one person and you overlook another, whether because they are rich or because they are famous, you know, when the president walks into this sanctuary, you will be quick to shake his hand. But if Pastor Sitcher walks into this sanctuary, judgments that are entirely approving. That is a man who walks or lives in accordance to the image that he was created after. A man who lives in accordance to the will of God is a man who understands that he has been given a free will. A free will that readily chooses God. Readily. Not a case of, uh, let me pray about it. No. Readily chooses God. A man who is made in the image of God is a man who understands that God has blessed him with affections and allows those affections to embrace his, not mine, his chief good. Even though what you're going through at the altar is not pleasing, is not sitting well with you, you are losing your job, you are losing your friends, you are being rejected. Your affections are embracing his chief good. And that's why James says rejoice when you're going through suffering. Because you are embracing his good. He works good towards those who love him. And we know the condition of love here. Those who love him keep his commandments. Amen. God blessed you with appetites, right? Appetite for food. Appetite for sex. I hope there are no kids here. Appetite and all these, all these good appetites. And therefore there is then the understanding that there will be no error in your knowledge of God. God is God. There is no error in your knowledge. There will be an understanding that there will be no disorder, no disorder in your passions. Your passions don't drive you. Purpose drives you. And I put on, on social media the other day, 
that if you are in the purpose of God, the enemy will not touch you. But when you leave the purpose of God and you begin walking in your passions, you become subject of attack. Now, so there is no disorder in your passions. Your passions have been kept on check. Your appetites, there is no irregularity in your appetites. The argument that you cannot abstain before marriage does not apply to you. Or you cannot maintain faithfulness or fidelity in marriage. The argument that you cannot do away with food because you cannot fast does not apply to you. There is no irregularity in your appetites. The question then I want to ask again is, who is created in whose image? Is God truly God in your life? Or do you worship a projection of God? God has blessed you with senses. Let those senses then be inlets to wisdom. And of course, enjoyment. The Bible says in, in Proverbs 4, on the right hand side of wisdom is what? Longevity of life. On the left hand side is what? Pleasures and riches. You want to have this too. Why want to live to be 120 and you cannot even clean yourself? You want to live to be 120 and still walk, still cook, still move around, run. I saw a video of old Shoshos and Gukas running 100 meter race. How many ever saw that video? That's the old age that I want. If I ask God, God bless me with long life, that's the kind of life I'm asking for. Not the kind of life where somebody is wiping my butt. <laughs> Amen. Your senses become inlets to wisdom, enjoyment because in Christianity we are not these people who are gloomy just because we are serving God. We too have fun. When we are dancing we dance. Amen. Pentiarity says raise your hands up, lift your voices, you are doing it. You're not trying to look conformed and in fashion just because you do not want to mess your lipstick or your hairdo, or your beard like mine. Amen? Whose image? Who is created in whose image? I want to urge you, and to challenge you, and to provoke you, to think about this issue and decide whom are you going to worship? Are you going to worship God or are you going to worship a projection of God? Is God to you real or is God to you an inference? Is God to you real? Have you met him? Do you have a personal relationship with him? 
or do you only know the God that other people speak about? You have not met him, you have not, you do not even know him. Two weeks ago we had a discussion in Pastor Jacob's house and one of our friends was asked this question, do you know Jesus? And the response really hit me hard, hard, that there are a lot of people who do not know Jesus, yet they claim to worship Jesus. And so I want to end by asking you this question. Do you know Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Whose image are you going to live after or live by? Who is created in whose image? Yes, we are not building idols out of wood and clay and metal and all that. But we have a lot of idols. First John 5, uh, we were there earlier, 520, 521. If you could turn there for me, please. 21. Having understood all of, go back to 19, 18. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself, keeps himself. Whoever is born of God keeps himself. When you keep yourself with the understanding that you are born of God, the enemy will not touch you. These are the three knowns. This is the first one. The second one is 19. We also know, I'm waiting on you, we know that we are of God and the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. Do not be cheated that you will skip the altar and go do ministry. You will easily fall in their way. When Paul says present yourselves as a living sacrifice, it is a place for where you're being baked, where your thinking is transformed. Not by yourself, but by the Holy Spirit. Where you begin knowing who God is, who Jesus Christ is to you. John 1 1 in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. Before Jesus was manifested in the flesh, in verse 14 of John 1, Jesus had to exist in the world and spend time with God. And he spent enough time with God that the word became God. When you stay at the altar where you present yourself as a living sacrifice, you hide there. Until God says, now you are ready to go for practicals. You are ready to be manifested in the world. But then you will have matured. You will not be thinking of God as a projection. God will be a consuming fire, real God, to you. We are of God. The world out there is under the sway of the evil one. Do not be deceived. That is how we have projected God and we worship in a projection of God because we have lived according to the world. That's why we want messages that are relevant. We want to tell people God loves you, but we don't want to tell them to change their ways. We want to argue that God understands my weaknesses, 
And we leave it at that, but we do not want to be changed. The third knowing, verse 20, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true. Him, because we are created in His, in His image. And to also understand that we are in Him. We are in Him. As a Florence used the imagery of water in a bottle. This water is in the bottle. Because if you pour this water out, it's going to go everywhere. It's in the bottle. We are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Because when you know these three knowings, the verse 21 says, keep yourself from idols. Resist the temptation of projecting God according to what you understand. Resist that temptation. Who is created in whose image? Who is created in whose image? Many are the plans of men, but it is the purposes of God that prevail. Many are the plans of men, but it is not the plans of men that prevail, but the purposes of God prevail. I want you to, I want to invite you to stand up as we sing this song. You are God from the end, yeah? And as we sing that song, I really want to challenge you to check yourselves. And make a decision whether you're gonna live Accordance to the image of God who created you, or you're gonna reduce God to your understanding and worship the God that you understand and not the Almighty God. You know the song? <laughs> Oh, I...
to the altar. Courage to stay at the altar. Courage to endure the fire that is associated with the altar. When we truly say that everything works for good, let it be that even the fire that burns away the impurities of your life, separating you from things that are in the world, things that initially defined you, that you may be set apart for Him. May you have that courage to stay at the altar, to be continually aware that you are in the image of God, and that you will have the courage to use your mortal bodies as instruments of righteousness. That your body and your soul are subservient to the spirit man. That they may be mature to carry out and to approve the will of God. Lastly, may you have the courage to commit everything 
and to acknowledge Him in all your ways. What of God says, do not lean in your own understanding. Do not limit God to your understanding. Do not make a projection of God. Acknowledge Him as God and let God be God. you do that, then he acts as God and Father in your life. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ Amen. Your name is you.